Hey, it's Matt Bovey from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, so what we like to call the reaction pod, immediate reaction from a Bills win or loss, and in this case, a huge win for the Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots, 24-10, to 10, their third, what would we call, road win, I guess. One was a neutral field in 12 days and a monster win in the division. Sal Capaccio here, WGR Sports Radio 550, and, of course, Matt Bove joining me. He is on the road right now, coming back from Foxborough, sitting in the car. Hey, buddy. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that we did this as fast as we could. So we've got a seven-hour drive ahead of us. So literally, we just pulled off to the side of the 90, the Mass Pike, got some gas. We switched it up a little bit, and now we're uh, ripping and rolling back to Buffalo. I love it. Well, you be safe driving. I know you're not actually driving, but keep those guys in line as they drive while you talk. Don't distract them with any hot takes, okay? Let's do that. Uh, my takes are never that hot anyway. I don't think there's anything that I could say that would be that spicy. You know, it's funny. This was not even a hot take game to me, Matt. You tell me if you feel the same way. I thought this game was just the bills were in complete control. It was kind of stress-free maybe for a little while after the Marcus Jones touchdown, but this game, they didn't have to go off script. They didn't have to get hot takey. They didn't have to get super sexy. They kind of just showed up, did their job and won the game. That's the Patriots mantra too. It's funny. Do your job. And it was funny as I'm sitting there, they have it all over the stadium. It's on like the ring, the electric board. Yeah. Goes around, do your job, do your job. And the funniest thing that happened was when Tyler Bass kicked the field goal at the start of the game to go up three, nothing, that field goal didn't go on the scoreboard for like 10 or 15 minutes. And I was going to make a joke, but I didn't know the reason I was going to take a picture and be like, maybe the guy who runs the scoreboard (laughs) should do his job and post the field goal on the scoreboard. But no, I think you're completely right. I think the better team came into Foxborough and won the game on both sides of the ball. They did it pretty convincingly. I tweeted last night, not all 24 point performances are the same because it felt like to me, the offense was clicking better than we've seen it in the past, but they also controlled the game in the second half, took a bunch of time off the clock. I think if they needed to, they would have been able to score more points, but they did what they had to do. They got a win and Hey, another nine and three. I love the way you said that. I always like to say, and I've been saying this for years, Every game has its own DNA, right? You're, you, every game you have to figure out your own pathway to victory. And the Bills kind of came into this game, I think, knowing that their pathway to victory was just basically don't allow the Patriots offense anything. They don't have a lot of skill players. Shut down their run game. You should be okay. And then score enough points to win. They did that. They got out of there. We'll talk about being healthy getting out a little bit later because there were a couple injury concerns. But I think by and large, they got out pretty healthy. But let's start with Josh Allen and the offense. You just alluded to it. You said it. 
they've looked, they looked a little bit better. Now the numbers weren't spectacular for Josh Allen, 22 of 33, 223 yards, but two touchdowns, no interceptions. He did have some drops as well. I thought though, Josh looked as good as he has over the past several weeks, maybe since the elbow injury. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that he has probably looked as good as he had since the bye week, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the Vikings game, there were some bigger moments for him, but then there was the costly mistakes. And then the last couple of weeks have been a little bit ho-hum. I think that it was just a very methodical game, and it was a step in the right direction. He had a couple passes that could have potentially been intercepted. Now, they were in times when you know, you're trying to get down in a field goal range at the end of the first half. You're forcing a ball a little bit. At that point, you probably don't really care if you throw an interception. Obviously, the stats care. But I think that it was a good game for him. I, I think I said yesterday night after the, sh- after the game ended, I would give Josh a B. Like, it was a good game. He didn't make any costly mistakes. He made some really nice plays. He made an unbelievable play on the Gabe Davis touchdown. That's a step in the right direction. I think that the offense is hitting its stride a little bit as they're getting ready for this crucial point in the season. And I do think there is something to be said about them having more success running the ball, seeing James Cook on the field more, using Naheem Hines a little bit more. I think they want to have all of these kind of options available as they get ready for what is their most important stretch. And of course, helping Josh Allen out was a really nice run game again. This time, it's James Cook who steps up. We've started to see this lately, Matt. We've started to see kind of the transformation, if you will, of James Cook. And he kind of took over the lead role, if you will, in this game. I'm not ready to say that that's the way it's going to be going forward. I still think Devin Singletary is the lead back on this team, if you want to put it that way. But I think James Cook has looked confident last night, Thursday night, as we record this, by the way, on Friday. He looked um, strong. He was. I think cutting the way we saw him at training camp when we saw the elusiveness. And I think he's definitely earned the opportunity to share this backfield even more. Yeah. I think there's almost more of a defined role for each of the running backs now than there was before. I think Devin Singletary is there like, okay, we're going to turn around and hand you the ball. James cook is more of their option that has versatility in the passing game with the stretch runs, things like that. That's not to say that James cook isn't going to be used to run it up the middle or Devin Singletary isn't going to be used on screen passes and stuff like that, but it does feel like they're starting to trust James cook. And I think that's a big sign for this team, not just now, but for the future because Devin Singletary has an expiring contract. So, so much of this was about who are going to be the guys moving forward. And if you like what you see, out of James Cook in the next five games and then whatever they're able to do in the playoffs, then I think you might feel more comfortable about being like, okay, he's going to be our guy going forward. It's going to be him and Naheem Hines. That was another part of the Naheem Hines trade too. It's like, yeah, you're adding a guy who can help you now. I still don't think they're utilizing him as much as they should be, but you're also getting him on a pretty fair deal for the next couple of years. So I think James Cook is starting to trend in the right direction. My one issue with James Cook is it feels like at times he it's weird watching him. He's very elusive. He's very fast. And he kind of has that thing where he is so fast that it doesn't look like he's running that fast. (laughs) And he's very patient. I do think sometimes he falls a little bit too quick or he goes down a little bit too easy. There was a play last night. I think it was third and three and they threw it out to him. And it was just basically like a run to the, to the sideline to see who could get to the edge and he didn't get there and he kind of got stopped. But I remember watching the play live. I haven't seen the replay of it and just kind of wondering like, man, I kind of thought he should have been able to hit that corner, but he just hit contact and then immediately fell. Now 
maybe the team going into that play was like, we don't really care that much. Just make sure the clock continues to run and make sure you don't fumble the ball. But at times you're like, ah, maybe if he would have put his head down a little bit, he could have turned that into a first down. But these are things, it's a rookie running back who still has very little experience. I think all things considered, it was probably his best game or one of his best games. He had over 100 total yards, James Cook. 14 carries, 64 yards. He also caught the ball six times for 41 yards. That's where we really thought we'd see him a lot more in this offense. And if that starts to come to fruition and give Josh Allen that outlet, I think the Bills can only benefit. I'll go back to your Naheem Hines point. I'm not down on Naeem Hines at all. I think he's done a really good job as a return man. I agree with you that, you know, um, you know, he's being used a little bit differently in the run game, but I also think not advantageously. It, it's only been really kind of jet sweep handoffs or really far behind the line handoffs, if you will, to Naeem Hines. I don't think that's fair to him to judge him on this. I think that it's tough to get yardage like that, but they're going to have to figure out a way if they want to use that extra guy. Maybe, <laughs> excuse me, maybe that's the next evolution of, you know, what Ken Dorsey sees in the offense and going forward. But in the meantime, obviously Cook and Singletary both doing a nice job yesterday. Let's go to the wide receivers. Stefan Diggs. I mean, Bill Belichick has no answer for Stefan Diggs. Another seven catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. And if it wasn't for a holding penalty, maybe even a ticky-tack holding penalty, um, or I should say one that shouldn't have mattered on the play, I guess, uh, to Tommy Sweeney, he probably did hold him. Josh Allen hit Diggs with a long bomb that uh, didn't go for a touchdown that should have and could have. But other than that, though, Stefan Diggs was fantastic in this game once again. Yeah, and actually that point is something that I want to go back to for what we said at the beginning of the podcast. Albert Breer had a great, great tweet about this. The Bills had a touchdown taken off the board. They lost the turnover battle, and they were still up 17 points with two minutes left to play. Like the gap between the two teams is pretty significant when you look at all of those different factors. I think Stefan Diggs, I know we watched Justin Jefferson just completely take over the game against the Bills a couple weeks ago. I think there's a pretty clearly defines top three receivers in the NFL right now. And it's Justin Jefferson, it's Stefan Diggs, and it's Tyree Kill. And you can probably put them in any order that you want, but the Bills are lucky to have that guy. And it's Josh's security blanket. When Josh needs to make a play, he's looking for Stefan Diggs, whether that's in the red zone, whether that's on third down, whatever it is. So Stefan Diggs is just putting together. He had already set marks and records as a Bill right when he got here. And it feels like now he is going to shatter those things that he did a couple of years ago, just with the trajectory he's on. I think, I mean, that, Sal, I think he's already got 10 touchdowns on the season. Yeah. Like he's flirting with a hundred catches already. He's already over a thousand yards, close to 1100. Like he is having a truly remarkable special season. And I don't think that maybe it gets talked about enough because we've grown to expect it from him, but he is just, he is him. Yeah, oh, I like it. It's, you know, I'll tell you, he's also a true elite number one wide receiver, right? How many times did we talk about trying to find one of those in Buffalo? And we know that the Bills have one, but the guy gets targeted so much like a number one wide receiver. That's the thing. And then he makes those catches, spectacular catches, did a great job. Another nice game for Isaiah McKenzie, by the way, five catches, 44 yards. He's really hurt the Patriots. Gabe Davis, only a couple catches. Uh, one was a touchdown. I'll say this about Gabe Davis. Don't. I, this is not a game where you should be down on Gabe Davis with his numbers. Gabe Davis is a big play guy. This was not a big play game plan. I mean, they they really kind of checked it down a little bit, just kept the chains moving. Gabe Davis isn't the guy that's going to thrive in those situations, but he still had the touchdown on a fantastic play from Josh Allen. 
Yeah, and Gabe Davis also does a lot that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Like, as far as their wide receivers are concerned, he is their best blocker. And yesterday was such a run-heavy game that they were really leaning on him to be the guy who was outside, who could kind of try and set the boundary and let that player either get around him or hold somebody off so they could hit the hole in the middle. He did have one kind of block in the back penalty that was pretty obvious that deleted. It took away probably like a five or six yard gain or something like that. So obviously something to something to clean up a little bit. But yeah, no, I don't think that there's really anybody wide receiver wise who you would be like, man, that wasn't a good game for them. Or, oh, man, I was expecting more. The only person I can really think of that I could have that conversation about is Dawson Knox. And it's just like, I don't even know if it's a Dawson Knox thing, if it's a Ken Dorsey thing, it's a Josh Allen thing. It is just really, really head scratching of how uninvolved he has been in the offense. Yeah, I think we've been asking that all year, especially with the year you had last year and the touchdowns, which actually is related to my next thing. We'll wrap up the offense on this before we get to the defense. The offensive line was was without Deion Dawkins, and clearly the Bills made a point to make sure that they protected Josh. And what I think Eric Wood said it really well on the broadcast. He said, Ken Dorsey called an offensive line friendly game, make things easier on the O-line, make things easier for Josh Allen. And that included keeping Dawson, Dawson Knox in to help out. But overall, how did you think the line fared without their franchise left tackle, Deion Dawkins? I think overall they did a good job. I think there were times when it was clear that they missed Deion Dawkins or that Spencer Brown was struggling a little bit. But I think overall, when you look at the entire sample size, they were able to have success in the run game. And a lot of that has to do with the push the offensive line is getting. Josh had the sack where he fumbled the ball. And of course, you don't want to see that happen. There were other times when he was getting pressured, but that's kind of how Josh Allen is like this magic eraser. Even when there is pressure, he's able to navigate the pocket. He's able to extend plays and he's able to either dump it off to somebody or throw for a crazy play and ultimately lead to success for the offense. So I think they did a fine job. I think it would be naive to say that they don't really miss Deion Dawkins. And that is something to monitor moving forward, especially now. Listen, Matthew Judon is maybe the best pass rusher in the NFL at this current moment. Next week though, the Jets have an awesome defensive line. That is their bread and butter. So if you're going to be missing Deion Dawkins again next week, I think that's something that you're concerned about in that game. But it's almost like the same thing as Von Miller, especially now that they've got nine wins. Now at this point, you think you're going to the playoffs. It's just a matter of if you're going as the division winner, if you're going as a wild card team, whatever it is. So just getting yourself healthy, I think, is important. So we don't know about Deion Dawkins. We don't know if Deion Dawkins is going to be ready to go on Monday when they start their Jets week or if it's going to be a couple more weeks. But I just think that the Bills, if you're the Bills, you should still be able to beat the Jets with the line you had yesterday. And you should still be able to do that for a couple weeks if you need to. So just getting everybody healthy, I think, is what's most important. All right, let's talk about the defense. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. Matt is driving back from Foxborough. He's actually the passenger side of things, so don't worry about that. Sal, I'm here at Studio Capaccio. We're bringing you It's Always Game Day in Buffalo here on the Odyssey app, wherever you pod, I, iTunes, uh, Spotify. Got a lot of people telling us that, uh, that we showed up in their Spotify playlist of like their best pods of the year, Matt. We love that. Yeah, the Spotify wraps thing. Who That's your what most, Do you have Spotify? I, I do. I don't, I don't use it, though, so I, don't, I wouldn't have one of those things. Oh, if I, I did, I have no idea. If I checked it, it would be really weird to me because it'd probably be something I like remember listening to six months ago. Well, here's the question. So everybody posts, you know, their Spotify rap things right now. That's a big deal. And that's where the podcast has popped up a couple of times. So we appreciate anybody who listens. Who would you say is your most listened to musical artist? Now, you don't have the analytics because you said you don't use Spotify. But who would you say oh. you listen to the most? It's you, too. I'm a big U2 fan. Okay. All right. So that would be at the top of your rap list then. You I too. think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, I do. I'm a very eclectic music listener though. I will, I was joking with you the other day, but really not to tell Dom to put Iron Maiden on. Like I love Iron Maiden and Motley Crue and like the eighties of hair bands and poison, but I also love Sinatra and Elvis. And um, I'll, I'll also kick back with some like naughty by nature or Eminem, something like that. Absolutely. Well, I'm very eclectic too. I mean, I think go. that you need to have a, like a wide range. I, I've been a big country guy though for the last probably five or six years. So I know that's there not everybody's go. cup of tea, but that has dominated my Spotify wrapped list. <laughs> well, listen on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you find us, thank you so much. We want to thank everybody who told us. And if you are just new to the you know podcast and you're welcoming in, uh, you're doing it now, download, subscribe, throw us a nice rating, a nice review. We'd appreciate it. Let's talk about the defense. One of their better performances of the year. Really, they kind of smothered the Patriots all night long. The Patriots came out of this game with only 242 total yards of offense, 4.7 yards of play. That's very low. The Bills basically just shut down a Patriots run game that they like to lean on, including Ramondre Stevenson, who, you know, I, I'll tell you, his yards per carry were nice because he had a couple of nice ones. He had a 16-yard run, 5.4 yards of carry. But Matt, they really had nothing. 10 carries for 54 yards for him overall. 60 yards rushing for the Patriots. That's crazy. And then did you see the clip that's been circulating since the end of the game last night of Mac Jones freaking out about how they don't pass enough and how the run game, I'm not going to say what he said, but well, I thought, I don't know if you've seen this. It's been clarified. What he said was he said, uh, he used the, using the F bomb. He didn't say to that, to the run game. He said to the quick game. Okay. He didn't, so, he, he was saying he clarified afterwards that he was yelling and, and he says he wasn't yelling at Patricia. I don't know if that's true or not. He said he wasn't yelling at Patricia and he used an F bomb and said, blank, uh, throw, throw the blank ball, blank, the quick game, not blank the run game. And I think actually a lot of people are saying, yeah, that's true. That's true. Why didn't they throw the ball downfield? But I think to your point, which is right, anything other than what they were trying to do, they should have tried something different, I guess. Yeah, it just didn't work. It was a dominant day for the Bills defense, really, from top to bottom. The only really big mistake they made 
if it was a big one, but they gave up the 48-yard touchdown on the screen pass. Just a bad angle from DeMar Hamlin. That's another time, even though Hamlin has had a pretty strong season, considering his lack of experience, that's another moment when you're like, yeah, Micah Hyde takes a different angle there. It's probably a three- or four-yard gain, and it's not a 48-yard touchdown. So that's a play when you're like, okay, these are the bumps that come along the way when you've got players who don't have a ton of NFL experience. That being said, after that play, they only gave up three more points, and those three points came on a field goal with two minutes left by the Patriots where they basically just surrendered the game away. So, yeah, I think that it was one of the most dominant days from the defense we have seen the entire season, and that's not to say that the Patriots are some high-powered offense or anything like that. It's just it never felt like the Patriots were going to be able to kind of take the game over. And also, you know, there's a lot of different people we can shout out, but I do want to mention – Trey White looks good. Trey White looks like Trey White. And I didn't know what to expect, but but he was on the field yesterday for, I think, 60, 70% of the snaps on defense. That's a really good sign and a really good step in the right direction because when he was out there, it was pretty noticeable that basically wherever he was, they weren't going to. I think he got targeted a couple times, and there was a nice play. I think Devontae Parker or Nelson Aguilar had a catch against him, a slant in the first half, and then after that, it really wasn't much else. He kind of had locked, he locked things down. Yeah, a couple of things. Obviously, they all count. I'll be the first person to say, well, you can't just take it away. But outside of the big play, the Bills held him less than 200 total yards. I mean, that's how dominant the, the defense was. A lot of credit to Marcus Jones. That dude can fly, Matt. I mean, he ran right by me. And he flew and you talk about the angle and then Jordan Poyer had, I thought had a good angle on him and he still got down the sidelines because, and that guy, and you know, of course I'm sure I kept thinking to myself, I bet you everybody's talking genius Belichick using a DB on the, on offense, right? Well, look, that was their game plan. Evan Lazar from uh, Patriots.com tweeted out basically that Mac Jones said their game plan was to get the ball into the hands of their skill position players short and rely on the bills to miss tackles because they've been missing tackles. Oh my God, Matt. I think that's the most atrocious game plan I've ever heard of in my life. You're literally relying on a team to miss tackles short. and like, you know, near the line of scrimmage or shortly after to try and win the game. And Oh, by the way, even though the bills have missed a lot of tackles, I went back and looked. Pro Football Reference charted them as so far this year missing like 57 tackles on over 700 plays. Yet yeah, that that's what you're going to rely on, and the Patriots don't even have that great of skill players to be able to do that. I thought the Patriots looked lost on offense. Do we want to talk about more of the defense, or do we want to talk about the Patriots? Because I think we could kind of go both ways. Okay, I, I you know what I I thought this too. Let's save the Patriots for the final segment. Let's talk about the defense. They deserve their due. Um, you yeah. talked about Tre'Davious White defensive line without Von Miller. We did learn before the game, Von Miller is on IR. He's going to miss four games. Um, That means Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa, those players have to step up. And they really did last night. And I would tell you, I think Tremaine Edmonds really (laughs) dominated in the middle of the defense. You took the words out of my mouth. I saw Jeremy White, your colleague, do a tweet this morning that was like, all right, I'm ready for the Tremaine Edmonds extension (laughs) at this point. And somebody asked, like, well, were you not before? And I think he said that he was still in the parking lot, but he wasn't sure what he was going to make the decision on. I think Tremaine Edmonds, I think, I think at this point, if you don't see the value of Tremaine Edmonds, then I'm really not sure what you're watching. And there are things that he doesn't do extremely well. That's because it's the NFL and there are guys who have different skill sets, but what Tremaine Edmonds brings them, it's the closing of the gaps. It's the making the tackles in the over open field. Yes, there are times when he over-pursues. Yes, there are times when he doesn't make the splash plays that you would want to see him make. 
but he provides such great value to them. And when they have both him and Milano on the field, it's nice because you don't have to rely on one guy to kind of take things over. It feels like when Tremaine Edmonds is out, Matt Milano always plays his best games, and that's a good sign. But you'd like to have both of them there, obviously. So, yes, I, I'm very much with you. I would say their players on defense yesterday, as was, excuse me, Jordan Poyer was great. Still don't really know what an interception is. We'll say oh by the letter of the law, it was an incomplete pass. It's a stupid rule, but it was an incomplete pass because it moves when he hits the ground. I think, though, if you get three feet in, that you should. I mean, he established himself in bounds, and he was yeah, out of like five great. yards later. I, I just didn't understand it. Um, sorry to cut you off. We had a little bit of a delay here um, in, in that last response. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you as far as the. In fact, I had people near the sideline asking me last night, like, well, Sal, what are they seeing upstairs on the replay? How is that not an interception? They didn't understand it. Like people on the Bills sideline didn't understand how that didn't go for an interception. Would you put it, would you say that it's kind of like, and I'm not saying that Tremaine and Matt are Jordan and Micah, but isn't it similar where separately they both are good? And we know M- Matt Milano is really good, but together they may be like the best duo in the league or at least close to it. Oh, I think that's a really, really fair point. I think that's a smart way of looking at it. I've actually, uh, Dan Orlovsky from ESPN has talked about this at times too, that he's just like those two guys together are the best combination of linebackers in the entire NFL. And it's funny because there is such a polarizing difference in how people in the fan base, I think, look at both of them. I think Matt Milano is this guy who, and it's probably just based off of where they were drafted and that Matt Milano's already got the extension, but everybody always is so quick to be like, Matt Milano is this unbelievably underrated player. And I agree with all of that, but that doesn't take away anything from Tremaine Edmonds because Tremaine Edmonds is still a really, really good player. And the joke with him is always like, oh, Tremaine Edmonds is still like 23, 24 years old. And yeah, he's been in the league all this time. Like we know, we know. But I think considering you have Matt Milano, it was weird because we talked about before the season what they would do in the future with Terrell Bernard, with Balen Spector, with these other guys. And you're like, oh, maybe they're going to let one of the linebackers walk or maybe they're going to part ways with one of them at some point. But given what Tremaine Edmonds has brought to this team when he's on the field, I have a hard time thinking that he won't be back next year. And I don't know if I would have said that at the beginning of the season. I thought when you looked at the guys who needed extensions, it was Knox, it was Poyer, it's Ed Oliver, it's Tremaine Edmonds. I thought Edmonds was pretty low on that priority list, but now I think you can make the argument that he's creeped his way up. And we will definitely have a lot of conversations about that at the end of the year. I think even you know franchise tag could be in play for Tremaine Edmonds. Real quick, let's wrap up on the defense and circle back here. Defensive ends without Von Miller against the Patriots. A really strong day for A.J. Epinesa. I thought A.J. Epinesa looked pretty good, especially coming off of a game where he was injured. Greg Rousseau, same thing. I think they were creating pressure. I know they didn't have a ton of sacks. When did they finish with one sack? I think that was Epinesa. So I know they didn't finish with tons of sacks or anything like that, but I think they were getting to Mac Jones and causing him to make some throws that he's not comfortable or capable of making on a consistent clip. And that's one of the reasons why the Bills defense was able to have the success that it had. One sack, but man, he Shaq Lawson should have got his sack when it was an intentional grounding at the one yard line, right? That should have been a sack right at the uh, goal line. Mac Jones threw it away. All right, let's wrap things up here. I want to talk about the Patriots and a couple odds and ends. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, it's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks for downloading, subscribing right here, iTunes, Odyssey app, wherever you uh, get your podcasts, we're right here for you. All right, before I ask about the Patriots and your thoughts on them, and we'll discuss that and kick it around, did you agree with the DeMar Hamlin ejection? Didn't agree with it. Now, I will say I was watching. So basically, you know, you're on the sideline during the game. We're up in the press box. But 
but we had a post game show. So before the game was actually over, I had to leave the press box with like six or seven minutes left in the game and go down to the tunnel. So I was ready to go. So I was watching it on the TV. So I only saw it on the replay angles from like television. And I only saw one replay. To me, it looked like a clean hit. To me, it looked like he led with his shoulder. I was standing next to John Scott from Spectrum and I heard kind of, you hear the noise that happens out in the stadium before you see what happens on TV because there's like a 10 second delay. And we hear like this constant like booing after the play happened. And I'm like, oh, they must have picked up the flag because that's a clean hit. And they're just going to say fourth down or whatever it was. But I think it was Bill's fans booing right? yeah. because they made they and there were so many <laughs> Bill's fans left in the there stadium. Were. Yes. that that overpowered the Patriots fans that were there. Right. And then he was ejected. So yeah, I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even think it was a penalty, let alone an ejection, but whatever. But the, the, the receiver, whoever it was lowered his own head and the target point. And, and you're right. It looked to me like it hit his shoulder. And I asked him about it in the locker room. He said he didn't get an explanation, just said disqualified basically. Like, and you know, obviously Sean McDermott was upset. John Butler was upset. They were lobbying the official, but um, you know, there's not, you're going to not change that. And um, I thought it was not a good call on Demar Hamlin either. All right. Patriots just talked about that game plan. They had, they look lost and look, I, I've been on this train for a while explaining and saying to people and people think that I'm trying to trolling or just being some sort of bills Homer or whatever, or hater that bill Belichick just has not been good in his career without Tom Brady and going into the year, he was 71 and 79. Well, guess what? Without Tom Brady now in his career, he's 77 and 85 overall. And I don't think, I think this is a flawed roster. I think it's a flawed coaching staff. And I don't think the Patriots are going to get much better anytime soon. That's the thing. I think when you look at the rest of the division, they are far and away in the worst position of any other team. Yep. That's just my opinion. I know the Jets have their quarterback questions, but they've got dynamic dunk defense that can make plays and they've got some skill position players that teams would kill to have with Garrett Wilson, with Brees Hall when he comes back next year, with Elijah Moore, like the list goes on and on. So I think for the Patriots, you're kind of in this no man's land of like, what do you do? What do you start over again? Do you try and patch up the roster that you have? Because I don't think they're a terrible team. I just don't think they're a team that really scares anybody because they don't have a dynamic wide receiver. They don't have these unbelievable playmakers besides Matthew Judon. And I just I don't think Mac Jones is the guy. Or or he's not the guy with the current pieces that they have around him. So when you look at teams like the Dolphins, who are ascending at a very rapid pace, the Bills have a superstar quarterback and some unbelievable players that won the division back-to-back years, and the Jets, who are trending in the right direction, that leaves you with the Patriots. And, like, what are you? So they're going to have to make a decision if they want to, like, almost start over again or if they want to try and surround Mac Jones with the best possible weapons and then make the decision of what they're going to do. Because their defense is good. It's not great. It's good. Maybe above average. No, not even maybe. It's definitely above average. But it's not good enough to win them a ton of games or get them into the playoffs. You know who they are, Matt? They're the Bills in the better years of their drought. That's who they are. They have a they have a quarterback who can maybe make some plays and keep them afloat. A good player on defense and Matthew Judon, some other nice pieces. But like you said, they don't really threaten you. That's who they are. And by the way, this is proven by right now. They're <clears throat> at least I wouldn't say proven, but that's who they are. They're 500 right now. They are on the outside looking in. They are currently the, if you're a Patriots fan, you wake up this morning, you're in the ninth seed seven, make the playoffs in the AFC. I mean, 
it's spiraling right now. So they're in a tough spot. I was walking what, out of the stadium. Go ahead. Go, real quick. What team are you comparing them to in the Bills drought? I'm interested to hear this because I, I agree with you. But like with which quarterback are they? Because I'm trying to think of the comparison of like I'll Matt Jones. I think I, I think, have mine too. I think they are the Rex Ryan led Bills with Tyrod Taylor. I think the Bills are more dynamic than the Patriots. I think that Bills team was better than this Patriots team. Wow, interesting. I think Maybe. they're yeah. I think they're the Trent Edwards Bills. Oh man, really? I mean, because those teams, like offensively, didn't really scare anybody. It right. was the whole captain checkdown thing. Yeah, and, like, that's right. I, I'm not. I'm not completely like. It's only been two years, and I. I literally, we all did at Buffalo. We witnessed the step that Josh Allen made from his sophomore season to his junior season. So I think it's kind of naive to write off anybody after a couple of years. But we also saw those wow moments with Josh Allen as a rookie and as a second year player. And I don't really see those with Matt. Jones. I mean, I'm just looking at the plays yesterday and there was one where it was like third and 14 and he threw it to the line of scrimmage for a six yard gain. And then they come out and they punt it down 17 in the fourth quarter. And I'm just like, it doesn't even look like they care. It doesn't even look like they are trying to win this freaking game. Like well, it's just, did you see yeah. after the game, I mean, Belichick was being criticized for basically not using his timeouts and extending the game. And he basically said they threw the white flag in so many words. He said, well, I was just really didn't want to get out there without any injuries at the end. That was pretty telling. Yeah, I mean, it's very telling when you see that and when you see the Bills get the ball back with 10 seconds at their own 35-yard yeah. line at the end of the first half, and they're, like, taking shots to try and get into field goal range. And that's the difference between an elite quarterback and a quarterback who is, you know, right in the middle of the league at best that's leading those two different teams. All right, so I was walking out of the stadium last night, saw a member of the Boston slash Patriots media. I said, hey, we'll see you in Buffalo in a little over a month. He looked at me and said, yeah, by then, maybe, hopefully for the Patriots' sake, the Bills are resting players. That's how the script has flipped between the Patriots and the Bills, that people are thinking that. All right, but the Bills do play the Patriots again in about a month. Before we wrap this up, we have NFL this weekend. Monster games for the Bills fans to watch, Matt. The Dolphins go to San Francisco, and the Chiefs go to the Bengals. If both those things go the Bills' way, meaning the Dolphins lose and the Chiefs lose, the Bills are still back in front in the AFC overall. They would be the number one overall seed. Can I be the party pooper here? Okay, go ahead. I don't think either of those teams lose. Wow. I'm, I'm also quite confident that they both win. Like if I was if I was putting money on games this weekend, I would be betting on the Dolphins and I would be betting on the Chiefs. I just I'm I can not... see the Chiefs. Why are you why are you so convinced of the Dolphins? I think that 49ers defense is really good and their old coaches coming to town. They kind of know that a little bit. I, I I don't see them beating the Niners. I think they will. I don't know what it is. It's just every time that I watch the Dolphins. Now, I don't get to see them play a ton, but given the Bills' weird schedule this last month or so, I've watched more Dolphins games than I have in years past. Okay. I think their offense is legit. It I is. Mean, it is. I, I don't. I don't want to put it on any one person. Like Tua has made incredible progress, and I think a lot of Bills fans don't want to recognize that. But he is really, really a strong player. A lot of it's also the scheme. Like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are so wide open yeah. all the time that it feels like almost anybody could get up the ball. And that's not a knock on Tua. It's just like their offense is so well designed. It's schemed up so well that I feel like I trust McDaniel going against his former team more than I trust the San Francisco defense shutting down that high-powered offense. And even though the 49ers have a ton of different weapons, I still don't trust Jimmy G. I trust Tua 
way more than I trust Jimmy G, which is not something I thought I would say four months ago. Should be interesting on Sunday for Bills fans to kick their feet up, watch some football, see how all the cards play out. And by the time we talk to you again, and it's always game day in Buffalo, the Bills, they could be still in second place in the AFC East, or they could be overall the number one seed in the AFC. That's how much things can swing this weekend. And one point about the Dolphins, though. I know they're getting ready for this game against the 49ers, and I just said what I said. But when you look at their next four games, mm-hmm. it is a gauntlet. They go yes. on the road to San Francisco, on the road against the Chargers, on the road against the Bills, and then at home against the Packers. And if Aaron Rodgers is still playing against the Packers, that's not really a team that you're ever going to write off. So their next four games are really, really tough. So even though I'm confident that they're going to win Sunday against the 49ers, I don't think they're going to go four and zero during that stretch. I think they're going to go three and one during that stretch, or two and two during that stretch, or whatever it is. And if the one loss comes to the Bills, then obviously they don't really need to care about the other games that they play. They want them to lose as much as possible. But that's what I, the Bills at this point, just like the Dolphins, they control their own destiny. And I like the Bills' chance of beating the Dolphins when they're coming to Orchard Park. The way the Bills are starting to play, the way they're starting to get healthier, and just all things considered, I, I think if you were at the, I think before the season, if you said the Bills were going to be nine and three at this point, most people would have been like, okay, yeah, we'll take it. They now they wouldn't have known the circumstances, and hindsight's a hell of a thing. But yeah, I, I think most people would have signed up for nine and three. Yeah, they were seven and six after thirteen games last year. I I want to see what that Dolphins offense looks like. It looks like in the cold when it has to travel. You know the way that you describe them is right, but what does that look like in a different environment like Buffalo? Also, great point on the Packers. Bills fans need to keep rooting for the Packers. You want Aaron Rodgers to be playing in that game, and he has said he will play until they are mathematically eliminated. Now, unless you think Jordan Love gives them a better chance anyway, but if they're mathematically eliminated, he's going to sit. They might start pulling off other guys too, to look towards next year. You want the Packers to still have their full complement of guys. And the last thing before we head on out of here, the next time Matt and I come at you, we will probably know Matt when the bills are playing the dolphins week um, 15 right now. It's still TBD. Do you have a prediction? Will that game be on Saturday at one four Will it be on Sunday at one? Will it be at Sunday night football? I think it's going to be a primetime game. I think it's going to be Saturday night or Sunday night. My best guess is that it's Saturday night. I don't know why. I just have a weird feeling that it's going to be on Saturday. I agree with you. And the reason why I'm going to say that they just flexed Miami into Sunday night the next week. I don't think they get two Sunday night games in a row, but I do think Sunday to Saturday and anybody saying, no, they wouldn't make them travel back across the country in a short week. No, no, no. The NFL does not care about that. Yeah, and also, I'm kind of rooting for it to be a Saturday night game. Not kind of. I'm absolutely rooting it for it to be a Saturday night game because I believe if it is, it'll be on Channel 7 again, which oh. obviously is good for us. So, yeah, I think that it's going to be a – that's my guess. But I, I just don't see a scenario where that game is played not in prime time. It's going to be one of those two slots because of just the, the teams, the way the division race has played out, the quarterbacks of the teams. It's going to be on – it's going to be available for the entire country to watch. All right. Well, listen, Matt, you uh, drive safe. I actually have a uh, nine-year-old birthday party this weekend. My son, Max, is turning nine on Saturday. Wow. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be, I can't believe he's nine already. He loves his bills so much. It was a great birthday present uh, to beat the Patriots. He is a Patriots hater. He has been born into it. So uh, it was great for him to do that and and to see that, I should say. Um, the next well, time happy we talk- early birthday to Max. There you go. There you go. Thank you very much. I'm sure he appreciates that. All right. We'll talk to you next time. And it's always game day in Buffalo. You guys drive safe. And um, next week, a regular work week for the Buffalo Bills and for us. So we'll come at you in midweek with another podcast. It's always game day in Buffalo.